Podcast 55, Risky Play, Application. As discussed in the Risky Play Backgrounder, the term risky play refers to thrilling and challenging forms of play that involve a risk of physical injury. Common examples include jumping from high surfaces, bicycling at high speed, using a knife or hammer, playing near icy water, and rough and tumble play. By offering children the opportunity to explore their environment and abilities, Risky Play supports numerous psychological, physical, motor, perceptual, and social skills. Parents, teachers, and caregivers can provide these opportunities in a variety of ways. Risks versus Hazards In discussions around Risky Play, it is important to make the distinction between risks and hazards. A risk is something that can be judged for potential danger. For example, a child can judge how high he or she can swing and still safely jump off and land on two feet. A hazard, on the other hand, cannot be judged or predicted, making it inherently dangerous. If the swing is damaged and might give way unexpectedly, it is a hazard. Naturally, hazards should be avoided. Risks, however, are an excellent learning opportunity even for young children. Ideally, managing risk involves careful consideration of both the risks and benefits of a particular activity or environment. Tom Malarkey, Chief Executive of the Royal Society for Prevention of Accidents, perfectly summed up the issue when he said children's play environments should be as safe as necessary, not as safe as possible. Putting Risky Play into Practice Many adults instinctively remove objects, furniture, and equipment with which children might hurt themselves instead of allowing children the opportunity to learn to use them safely. But with appropriate preparation and consideration, risky play can support a range of children's developmental needs. Adults can even encourage risky play with particular goals in mind, which may include physical health benefits, developing confidence and independence, nurturing curiosity, creativity, and resourcefulness, learning the capabilities and limits of their own bodies, fostering emotional resilience and perseverance, and simply having fun. Equipment should of course be regularly inspected and maintained. When dangerous tools or equipment are introduced, children should not only be taught to use them safely, but to perform their own risk assessments. Adults should ask questions to help children consider the consequences of their actions, such as, what do you think might happen if you hold the knife like this? And whenever possible, environments should be designed so that risks are apparent, enabling children to readily assess them. Risky play activities should be adapted to each child's age and disposition. As child care development expert Marie Willoughby puts it, what may be physically challenging, interesting, and risky for a two-year-old may not provide four-year-olds with sufficiently satisfying or physically challenging experiences. Similarly, children should be allowed to explore risky play opportunities based on their individual interests. Adults can observe children at play and introduce new activities accordingly. Ideally, children should have access to a range of environments, especially natural environments, to experience the benefits of risky play. Mariana Brissoni, a professor at the University of British Columbia and BC Children's Hospital, recommends avoiding structured play spaces such as playgrounds in favor of unstructured open environments and loose materials. Sticks, crates, planks, ropes, and mud offer greater scope for children's imaginations than a slide or swing set. Fields, parks, and forests are considered more beneficial than playgrounds for the same reason. 
Proponents of risky play at home and in school care settings recommend introducing children to a new environment and then, as much as possible, getting out of their way. Don't help them climb a tree, says child care administrator Annie Fortunato. Let them discover whether they can climb it on their own. Trust them to know their own limits or learn them by failing. If they get stuck or need help, don't panic and rush to rescue them. Talk them through a plan on what they can do next to solve the problem themselves. Bersoni suggests following the 17-second rule before stepping in. Wait 17 seconds to see how the child reacts. This will give them a chance to find out for themselves what they're capable of and comfortable doing. Risky play in schools. One setting in which risky play has become the norm is known as forest schools, an educational approach heavily emphasizing outdoor play and exploration. Forest school activities are usually child-led, representing an opportunity to engage in fun, motivating tasks in a woodland environment, as well as use their own initiative to discover, explore, and solve problems. Sarah Knight, a forest school practitioner, describes how young children are pre-programmed to keep stretching themselves in the same way that all young animals do until they reach maturity and the peak of their own particular set of abilities. The role of the adult, animal or human, is to enable the stretching process to be manageable and safe enough, in other words, to help them take reasonable risks. Forest schools do just that, along with educating them on safety, nature, and the world around them. Knight notes that every forest school session begins and ends with an in-depth discussion about the setting the children will be entering and what elements to expect. This way, children learn to manage their fears, their environment, and their own bodies. Conclusion Risky Play capitalizes on children's natural instinct to take risks and test their limits. Parents, teachers, and caregivers willing to support them in risky play activities in a range of environments will see numerous benefits.